Alright guys, you are locked on Falcons. I am your host Aaron Freeman and today is a fan talk episode where I am joined by Falcon fan Tyrone James. We're going to be talking about the Falcons week three win, week two win, I'm sorry, over the Carolina Panthers as well as look ahead a little New Orleans Saints and sort of what is that missing piece for this Falcons defense to finally come together. You are locked on Falcons. Your daily podcast on the Atlanta Falcons, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So guys, you know me, I'm Aaron Freeman, been covering the Falcons for a very long time at falcfans.com, on Twitter at falcfans, of course the host of this illustrious Locked On Falcons podcast. Today's show is a fan talk episode sponsored by my bookie, be talking with Tyrone James, we're going to be talking about the Falcons' Week 2 win, hopefully their upcoming Week 3 win against the Saints, as well as sort of the missing piece on the Falcons' defense, at least that Tyrone has expressed to me via email, and uh, we'll get his thoughts on the air. So welcome to the show, Tyrone. Hey, man. How you doing, Aaron? Thanks for having me. All right. So, Tyrone, I understand you're from uh, South Florida, uh, hanging out down there. How many, how many Falcon fans do you run across down in, in your neck of the woods? Man, it's probably like five of us down here. I, there's not a lot of, of Falcon fans. There's a whole bunch of Dolphin fans out here. So. Okay, okay. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's always interesting because I think, you know, one of the things I always say when we have some of these fan talks is we don't get too many people from Atlanta on the show because I think a lot of, you know, when you live in Atlanta, you're sort of inundated with uh, Falcon stuff, and then, you know, for people that yeah. are sort of out-of-state podcasts like, you know, this illustrious Locked on Falcons podcast are, you know, welcome in their lives to sort of get their Falcon fix that they don't necessarily get from the locals. So, uh, you know, you you seem to be another one on the list of sort of outside of the state of Georgia joining the show, so welcome to you, my friend. Thank you, thank you. You know, the, the Atlanta locals listen to that uh, 92.9 The Game Mike Bell, Duke's hot takes, you know, going on. Yeah, yeah. I, I won't throw any shade at the local radio, although sometimes I feel I want we to. We won't but do that. We'll yeah, do that yeah. Here. But, you know, hopefully <laughs> hopefully, there's maybe a couple of Falcon fans in the Miami area that can sort of be like, hey, I, I also live in Miami. There's more than five of us. There's six of us. So maybe <laughs> that you can find, you know, connections of some people via this show. But that being said, let's jump right into this and let's talk about the Falcons' week two win over the Carolina Panthers. I'm assuming you have some thoughts watching that game last week and sort of seeing the Falcons' offense come alive for what seemed like the first time in a very long time going back to last season, uh, probably since so at that Seahawk game where really, or the Tampa Bay game where Julio just went off. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. yeah, it was nice to see the Falcons' offense really come alive, particularly in light of some of the injuries on the defense, just because – and we'll, we'll touch upon this later in the show, but, uh, you know, just because I don't think anybody's quite as sort of keen as they were going into the season that, the, you know, this is going to be the breakout defensive year given some of the injuries with Deion Jones and Keanu Neal. But uh, it was nice to see Sark at least, you know, for one week – um, shed the criticism and get the monkey off his back. Yeah, it was. It was. I really kind of was going to win this game against the Carolina Panthers. The offense was going to have to really step up. But like you, I was not confident that the offense would step up. You know, we, we've 
seen them have a lot of problems in the red zone. And, you know, as far as Matt Ryan, sometimes he just doesn't look comfortable in the offense at times. So I, I wasn't too confident that they were going to pull this one through. Yeah, yeah, I, I know. It's it's one of those things. It's a week-to-week league and, and sort of like now it's like, oh, yeah, the offense is fine and we'll we'll go and play the Saints and we'll, we'll you know, the, that defense has been very suspect and we'll put up, you know, 48 points or whatnot and then, you know, they'll score like 17 this week or something like that. And then, yeah, we'll, yeah we'll be, it just goes up and down, back and forth. And, and that's been one of the problems, you know, we got so comfortable with the Kyle Shanahan 2016 year where it was just every single week, it's like 35 points, 35 points, you know, and, uh, you know, I don't know, you know, I think we all want that team to come back and and look like that team, at least, you know, this past week uh, in in terms of being more like that 2016 team. And we, look, I said it before, like we saw that last year in week two against the Packers um, in that week two game. And so hopefully, you yeah. know, they can sustain this um, moving forward. But, were, you know, were there, were there certain things in the game that really stood out to you? Any player performances? You know, we already talked about sort of Sark being a little bit of a surprise and Matt Ryan having to bounce back. But anything else that really stood out to you when you watched that Panther game? So one thing that I think was critical in the play calling was the pre-step motion. Uh Stark has definitely had a couple guys move before um, Matt Ryan snapped the ball, and I think that's very critical because it helps Matt Ryan know uh, whether they're playing man or zone. Stark just wasn't he, – he wouldn't do it sometimes. I don't know why. And if you look at Shanahan's offense, that was really important. He'll move the fullback. He'll move the slot receiver. He'll move the tight end. And that was something that Stark didn't really transition over to his offense. Um, for some reason. And then another thing that I felt that was really good is Matt Ryan threw the ball to eight different receivers, eight people. In my opinion, when you have Logan Paulson and you have Marvin Hall catching pass, even if it's a one pass, that opens up the defense to saying, okay, you know what, we have to literally defend everybody here on the field because a lot of the times it was just so predictable. Logan Paulson's on the field and it's like, okay, this is going to be a run play this is going to be a run play, or he's not even a threat in the passing game. So it's like you don't really even have to worry about covering him. You can probably shift your cover, your coverage over to Julio Jones. Maybe you shift it over to Calvin Ridley. But when you have everybody catching passes, this makes this offense so much more deadly. I agree. I agree. I think, you know, you mentioned Hall. You mentioned Paulson because those two guys on those specific plays that they made plays – those were really plays that were really designed for those guys specifically. You had Paulson with the tight end screen. You had Hall sort of running this deep out. Um, and sort of like that was the design of the play to go to those guys. And that was one of the things that we questioned with Sark last year, whether or not he really understood the player's strengths and weaknesses and and really couldn't necessarily design a scheme to get the most out of those players. And I think, you know, at least for one week, uh, we saw him do that. So there's at least now the belief that, okay, like if he could do it for one week, he could do it for two. And if he could do it for two, he can do it for three and and so on and so forth. So uh, it's certainly a, a confidence-boosting game in, in terms of uh, what Steve Sarkisian can bring to the table. It definitely was. It definitely was. I, I, I was really excited, you know, like during the game. Um, they started off kind of slow in the first half. 
and then, you know, they kind of picked it up. They had, just before halftime, that, that uh, drive, I think it was like a minute and 30 seconds left or so, don't quote me mm-hmm. on it, but they, they, they drove the ball down and they got a touchdown, not even a field goal. I was like, oh, this is going to end in a field goal because this is Atlanta, but they got a touchdown out of it. That was exciting. And then after the game, maybe like five, ten minutes later, I was just like, ah, like you said, like, oh, this is reminding me of Green Bay, man. Like, now it's time for them to be more consistent on offense. So this is it was definitely a confidence booster. And, uh, you know, it's just something that they just have to continue to, to do and build upon going into the season, uh, continuing into the season. Definitely. Uh, the good thing is that, uh, you know, following coming off the heels of that Green Bay game last year, they did also have a, a really good performance in Week 3 against the Lions. Did it kind of stop for a while, but hopefully they could sort of, you know, if, it, if history is repeating themselves, at least we can be reasonably confident that maybe we're, we're due for another good start game uh, in this week coming up. And, and that's going to be one of those things that we'll talk about a little bit in a bit. Uh, but first, I want to let you guys know a, a little bit about my bookie, because ever since I started this podcast, people have been asking me for advice. And it's often, you know, who's the team to bet on this week and the truth is I don't know who's going to win as you guys know when I predict these games and these crossovers you know I'm lucky if I predict them correctly but you got to remember who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with and that's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie trust me guys they're the best bet that you can make this season they've been in business for years they have great reviews online and their mobile site is very easy to use They have in-game live betting over and unders on fantasy points scored and the most rewarding player perks in the business. MyBookie is also slammed with new bettors and wants to give everyone the best service possible. And if you're willing to deposit after 7 p.m. Eastern time, they'll even give you an additional $25 free play on deposits over $100. Just use that promo code LOCKEDON25 to activate that offer. Join now and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Visit my bookie online today. That's M Y B O O K I E. And don't forget to use that promo code locked on 25 when making those deposits after 7 PM and get that extra $25 free play. Um, it's up to you guys, but I definitely will wait till after dinner and make the, and take that extra money. You play, you win, you get paid. You know, let me ask you, do you have any additional thoughts on the Panthers game before we, you know, sort of pivot a little bit ahead and look at the Saints game? Uh, I mean, not really. You know, I, I thought uh, Calvin really looked good. I thought it was great to see Edo Smith. You know, uh, it wasn't the summer of Edo, but... Well, technically, <laughs> Tyrone, got to get into... summer does not end until September 21st. So, technically, we are still well, in yeah. the summer of Edo. Well, then, you know, it's still, you still got a shot. You still okay. got a shot to be, <laughs> to uh, have the summer of Edo. Uh, you know, look, they, they played a good game. If I if I have to be critical of the offense, it was two things. I, 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 wasn't, I wasn't too happy about the Wildcat play with Muhammad Sanu. And, uh, yeah, let's not give Matt Schaub any more snaps. Like, I think we've seen enough of Matt Schaub. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of those things hurts my heart because one of them is, is is Matt Schaub is my guy. The other thing, you know, if you're going to throw shade at Mohamed Sanu, I'm all for that on this podcast. I didn't have a problem with the play call. I, I thought it was, you know, a reasonably smart play call. I, you can certainly nitpick it, I, I think, to a certain extent. Like, why do you take the ball out of your hand of your smartest asset? But I think they wanted to run the football in that situation, and I think – the, the problem is with that sort of specific situation, if they're going to run the football, 
they're, you know, the Carolina's going to stack the box. They're going to put seven guys in the box. And so basically the only way that you can run the football in that situation is to basically go with a two tight end set to get you basically eight blockers. Um, and if you get eight blockers then Carolina's going to put eight in the box. And so the reason why the, the, at least the argument for why you go wildcat in that situation is because now with a tight end, and two guys in the, in the backfield that could potentially carry the football, the defense has to account for eight players. And, you know, you basically get the advantage without sort of going to the more obvious, oh, let's put, you know, our jumbo set on the field. And, and I think, you know, the, the issue with that specific play is just Luke Keekley is so good that he just knew it was coming yeah. and he just basically shot the gap. And that's the, you know, that's the Luke Keekley factor where there's just going to be plays where you design it and it's a decent design or a, a good design. And, and Luke Keekley is just going to completely obliterate that play. And I'm sure, you know, I, I know you have some thoughts on sort of, you know, maybe the Falcons adding a player of that caliber and, and what it could do to the Falcons defense moving forward. But I, I'll put a button on that and let's talk a little bit about this upcoming Saints game and sort of what are the things that you're looking at in the Saints matchup that maybe potentially concern you? Are, are you looking at the Saints offense and wondering whether this defense can slow it down? Are you looking at this as a, another game where Sark's going to have to really sort of carry the torch and, and, and sort of take the pressure off of that defense to slow down the Saints? What sort of is what you're looking at with this upcoming week's action? Yeah, I, I think uh, Sark is going to have to carry the torch again, man. I, I, am extremely nervous about this game, and I think every Falcon fan should be extremely nervous about this game. This defense, I think we just have one too many injuries to go against a quarterback like Drew Brees, who's completely different than Cam Newton. Uh, you know, Alvin Kamara is having a good year. So, well, he's not really running the ball well. They haven't ran the ball well this year. But catching the ball out of the backfield, Michael Thomas, man, like, I think he had, like, 12 catches one game and then 16 catches the next game. I mean, I, and, and Robert Alford and Desmond Trufant already struggled uh, covering these big wide receivers. So, kind of nervous, man. I don't know about you, but I'm I'm pretty nervous about this game. Yeah, no, I think, I think that's definitely fair. Um, you know, one of my quote-unquote hot takes is that I think the Falcons, the Saints are a better matchup for the Falcons than the Panthers are, but I don't necessarily know if that, automatically means that they are an easier matchup than the than the, the Panthers are. Uh, the Falcons have had a yeah. lot of success against the Panthers over the last three years and sort of had mixed results with the Saints. And I, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact, you know, the reason why I think that is because I think they're two very similar teams. They're two teams that are built, you know, around having a high-level quarterback and having these premium skill position players um, and sort of, you know, have good athletes on the perimeter of their defense but aren't necessarily these really physical teams that are going to basically like, we're going to grind you into, into the dirt. And that's, you know, that's what the Panthers do. And that's always been sort of in my eyes, the Achilles heel, the Falcons, when they face these teams that want to get real physical, they tend to lose those matchups. Uh, you know, I wouldn't say more often than not, but enough where it, it's a thing. And I, I don't think the saints really present that same challenge um, as other teams do, like Carolina does, like Minnesota does, like Philadelphia does, etc. But um, that doesn't necessarily make them an easy team to beat because of what you mentioned with some of their playmakers and whatnot. And so, you know, I, I think this game might have to be sort of a duel between Matt Ryan and, and Drew Brees. I looked up a stat the other day, 
and I found it interesting. It's like when the Falcons score 30 or more points um, against the Saints in the Sean Payton era since 2006, I think they're like 5-0. and um, and, and the Saints don't have, you know, I think they're like six and four or something like that. But the interesting thing is, you know, several of those losses have been like three of the four losses have been in like the last like five or so years or something like that. And, and what that means is like in those games, the Falcons can sort of, you know, win those games like 35 to 32 or whatnot. And so like, that's basically, um, if the Falcons can basically, you know, put points in windy, you know. Basically, I think they have a, an opportunity to win a shootout, but uh, it'll be interesting to sort of see if uh, they can uh, take care of business this week. Yeah, yeah. I, I I feel like they could score 30, but again, you know, the inconsistency and then also that, you know, this is a divisional game and this is a big rivalry. And uh, we are playing at home, but it's just, I, I don't know. Like, it's it's one of those things where it's like now with, the, with this team because – they didn't, they didn't look so good week one, and then they looked really good week two. So you're kind of thinking, like, oh, okay, maybe they're somewhere in the middle of that. So you're thinking maybe 24 or something like mm-hmm. that. And I'm not sure, like, 24 points is going to get them a victory against the Saints team. And, you know, it's just a lot of things that I'm just worried about, like Drew Brees against DeMonte Casey. Like, DeMonte Casey is a very aggressive corn um, safety that we've seen already and he flies around and Drew Brees you know as you know he has a tendency of looking guys off and I just feel like he's going to get KZ a few times just look him off and you know hit a slant uh, a receiver coming on a slant or, or hit a, a tight end down the scene so you know that's one of the things that I'm really kind of nervous about and I'm also nervous about Alvin Kamara catching passes coming out of the backfield you know uh Christian McCaffrey was 10 for 10 at one point um, last game. And I feel like Alvin Kamara, Kamara is a bigger running back. He can catch just as good. And I don't really feel like um, Ricardo Allen by himself is going to be able to bring him down. So I really feel like every time Alvin Kamara gets the ball, we're going to have to swarm on him and take him down. It's going to have to be a whole bunch of gang, gang tackles. And I, I, I'm not sure how good this defense is going to be because Last game, Ricardo had to put practically the whole defense. He had to position them every single time, tell them which way to go. Like, uh, the new safety we got, Richardson, if he gets in the game again, I mean, I, all bets are off. Like, we're just done. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah, look, I, I, I get it, man. It, it, they're a tough, they're a tough, tough team to match up with, especially given the injury depletion that the Falcons have had these last couple of games. And you always could rely on Deion Jones to make some ridiculous play that's going to, like, you know, get a stop or, or seal the win or whatever uh, in these previous matchups over the last two years. Yeah. And you're not going to have that this week. And, you, you know, you like I don't want to dump on Duke Riley. You know, I, I, I think it's fair to criticize him. I, I, you know, I think some people take that criticism a little bit overboard with, like, sort of, completely shutting the door on him ever being an effective NFL player, which I'm not willing to do. I think the team has it right where they're sort of showing some patience and and wanting to see what he can do in this, you know, six more weeks or seven more weeks of absence with Deion Jones. And and the hope is that, you know, seven weeks from now, um, you know, all the hand wringing and, and the hair pulling that Duke Riley is causing today won't be an issue then. I don't necessarily think he's going to, you know, make you forget about Deion Jones, but like I, I, I not think, at all. I think 
I think the the issue that Duke Riley is going to have to deal with, at least from the fans, not necessarily on the field, um, is just like people don't have the, that sort of level of patience to wait, you know, another three or four or five or six games to see what he can do and what improvements he makes, which he may not make any. But, you know, I think the coaching staff is is willing to be patient for that. But I don't think the fan base is quite as willing to sort of be that patient. So we'll have to see. And I, I don't, you know, this week, I don't think is necessarily going to be a great week for him to sort of show yeah, off his skills. So, yeah, um, I don't think it's going to be his week at all. Uh, I think the fans are probably just waiting for him to, to make a play. You know, yeah. I, mean, I mean, if it's, even if it's forcing a fumble or an interception or recovering a fumble, I, I think they just want to see, like a flash play so that we could all talk about, okay, yeah, if Duke finally got an interception, maybe we could all relax and then he'll miss like maybe, you know, 10 tackles, but just because he had one, one yeah. interception, all the fans are like, okay, Duke is coming along. Yeah. You know, so yeah. Yeah. I think that's I, what's really waiting for me. I think so. I think so. I, I, you know, I guess, I guess for me, it's one of those things like I, I don't have, I, I get your, I have the same level of concern about the defense going into this matchup. I guess for me, I'm just hoping that Sark can do it again because I feel like unlike Car- – like if he could score 31 points against Carolina, like he should be able to put a 50-burger up against the Saints defense because it's just – to me, you know, I haven't watched the film of their game against the Browns yet, but um, in terms of what I saw in film in, in week one, I'm like, yeah, like the Saints defense – like it wasn't like Kyle Shanahan was this genius that was just like scheming up these great plays when he was dropping like forty on them in in twenty sixteen. It's like their defense is kind of I wouldn't say like easy to beat, but it's it's simple. It's not hard to figure out. They they're not doing anything that's like overly complex. It's very similar in in that way to sort of what the Falcons defense is, and that's one of the reasons why I'm like the two these two teams are so similar because they're so similar sort of schematically and what they they want to do defensively. And it's like, if you go against basically the same defense every week in practice, like you should be able to figure this out. And so that's putting a lot more pressure on Sark. And, and historically speaking, putting all the pressure on Sark hasn't necessarily worked out for us, but I, at least right now I'm optimistic that maybe he'll figure it out and sort of can rely on the play action passing game and, and make things easier for him. Um, so that this this Falcon offense can uh, you know take care of business this week and we can get off to a two and one start before I have to be really concerned about the things that Carl Lawson is going to do to Jake Matthews next week. So um, that's what my hope is. Yeah, yeah, uh, you know, um, I'm I'm Camp Jordan is probably like the only one that really always has a good game against mm-hmm. us. Other than that, you know, uh, uh, Lattimore, I'm I'm not too worried about it. He clearly was grabbing on Julio all game last time. Um, going back watching the, the well, some of the highlights of the first two games that they played, man, I, they really are struggling with receivers that are fast. Man, Callaway, that pass that he caught, just running past two defenders, had a had a game on them. Mike Evans is not even past uh, Lattimore, so you know I I would think maybe uh, Calvin Ridley. And uh, um, Marvin Hall, you know, might be an X factor in this game because the speed has really been hurting them. And then, um, you know, I might, I, I'm gonna look at this game probably like that 2016 game against uh, Denver, where uh, 
Tevin Coleman had a big game against these these linebackers. I I I just don't feel like any of the Saints linebackers could keep up with Tevin Coleman. So I think they should probably try to utilize that matchup as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, this yeah, is another yeah. game where not having Devontae in the lineup is, is not great because Devontae historically has dominated the Saints. Um and, you know, yeah. puts up those Two hundred. I think he had. I think he's had like a two hundred yard total offense game against them in the last two years. So, uh, hopefully, Tevin can fill those shoes, and and we'll. I'll get, you know, roll my eyes next week about all the people saying trade Devonte, um, you know, because of Tevin Coleman having two good games. Um, but uh, that's something you know we can deal with later. Uh, I want to talk a little bit more with Tyrone about sort of what is the missing piece for this Falcons defense moving forward but do you guys ever wonder how much we pay for brand new clothes and for those of you that have kids out there why do you buy new kids clothes when they just outgrow them in a few months wouldn't it be great if there was a place out there that you could discover awesome discounts on gently used clothes there is and that's swap.com the world's largest online consignment and thrift store stop driving to store after store sifting through racks easily sift through millions of clothes in seconds on swap.com with easy to use filters to find just what you need with swap.com you can save up to 90 percent off of retail prices on your favorite brands including lululemon carters nike j crew and the gap quality hand inspected items are added daily if something doesn't fit you can enjoy hassle-free returns within 30 days. We have a special offer for Locked On Falcons listeners. Get 35% off select items for your first order with the promo code Locked On. Plus, you can find new deals every day on Swap.com's homepage. Again, use that promo code Locked On to get 35% off select items on your first order. Visit the world's largest online consignment and thrift store. That's Swap.com. S wap.com all right tyrone uh before we started recording you were very passionate about sort of you know maybe that sort of missing piece for this falcons defense as you've discussed in terms of your expectation for the saints team it seems like you are you know you 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 really want this one player that's going to sort of solidify it um, you mentioned to me, and I just touched upon it, sort of like Luke Keekley and his ability to sort of be this one-man wrecking crew that sort of is the centerpiece of a, a really great uh, or sometimes great Panthers defense. Um, go ahead and, and explain to the listeners what you were talking with me earlier about, sort of your thoughts on maybe that last piece to the puzzle. So, yeah, I was basically saying that I feel like this defense needs a Julio Jones of defense, basically meaning like I feel like we need this one dominant player where every offense is really looking at it like, okay, yeah, we really need to stop that guy. Right now, you know, the commentators will quote-unquote say like, yeah, everybody's saying Vic Beasley, and Vic Beasley is just not that guy. And I feel like we need a dominant player. So I, I brought up Khalil Mack, who went to Chicago. If you look at Chicago now, where the defense was without Khalil Mack to where there is where they are now, I think they're leading the league in sacks, but that whole defense looks completely different. It's a, it's a completely different energy. You look at um, Luke Keekley, like this guy is just like the guy on that defense. Keanu Neal is good to me. 
Grady Jarrett is good to me. Deion Jones is good to me. But these guys, I feel like if they had that one guy that, like, they know, like, okay, this is the guy of, of the defense. And I, 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 I didn't say this before, but I, I thought Don Terry Poe was going to be that guy last year, and it just never really happened. So when we lost him, I didn't really think it was going to be that big to replace him. But I just feel like if we were to get that one guy, that one guy where it's just like, okay, you know, when we need a play, I know this guy is possibly going to make it. Or if he doesn't make it, he put us in that position where a Grady can make that position or attack can make that position. Because I, 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 I think we really need a defensive end like that because I just feel like if Vic was one of those guys coming like a Bruce Irvin role, where you just re- really use him on passing downs, it would be a lot better for him. He would be a lot more productive than what he is right now. And I, I think it's the coaching staff is just putting too much pressure on him to make him be something that he's really not. So I just feel like, you know, I, I threw out the idea of maybe like a Ezekiel Ansa from Detroit because, you know, Detroit has a, a new coaching staff. They'll probably be willing to trade him. This is just speculation. Nobody kill me. But... Um, you know, a guy like that, I think, is something that we could really, really, really use on our defense. I would probably not necessarily suggest Ziggy Ansah as that sort of piece. I, I agree 100% with what you were saying. I just, Ziggy Ansah to me is similar to Vic Beasley. Like, if you, you know, you look at, he had 12 sacks last year and like they all came in three games against backups. You know, like nine of them came in three games against backups. And so he was one of those players that sort of disappeared and hasn't really been that guy since like 2015, 2016. But uh, in terms of him specifically, maybe he'll get it back this year um, and, and and maybe be more of that guy that he was a couple of years ago. But I, I agree with you. I, I think, you know, you use the example of the Bears and Khalil Mack. And I think that's a good comparison because like you look at that Bears defense they had players on that defense they had Akeem Hicks they had Eddie Goldman and Leonard Floyd and Trevathan and Kyle Fuller and Adrian Amos and they had good solid players on that defense uh and of course the the incomparable Jarrell Freeman uh a couple of years ago but uh you know getting Khalil Mack it just completely changes the landscape of that defense because now as you say you have this guy that can sort of single-handedly wreck offenses and you see that with Luke Kuechly you see that with Fletcher Cox in Philadelphia you know you see that to a certain extent with like Harrison Smith or Everson Griffin in Minnesota and, and you know obviously Aaron Donald in LA and sort of to get that you know and Cameron Jordan was that guy last year um for for New Orleans and I think that New was Orleans. a big you know, that was a big reason why their defense turned around in addition to, you know, Marshawn Lattimore and, and improved play in the secondary. But I, I'm with you. I just don't know if anybody currently on the Falcons is that guy. I think Grady Jarrett, you know, is on that, you know, on that Akeem Hicks level or above that Akeem Hicks level. I don't necessarily see Tack as, you know, a Khalil Mack type, but I think, certainly think Tack can be, you know, a really, really good pass rusher, uh, an above average to good one, uh, you know, top 20 or something like that. But, you know, I, yeah, I won't go on the Vic Beasley thing. I, I'm sure I will talk quite a bit about Vic Beasley as the rest of the season plays out. And I've talked quite a bit about him over the last year, but uh, yeah, I'm with you. Like I, I you know, and, and the question is going to be, are you going to get that guy in the draft? If you're picking in the twenties, probably not more often than not, you know, maybe every now and then a guy will slide, you know, you know, Mo Wilkerson was the 30th yeah. overall pick uh, not that long ago. Um, and he was that sort of guy for the Jets and whatnot. But um, 
you know, I, I think you're right. And that's part of the reason I think why I wasn't as sort of high on the Falcons defense as other people are going into the season. Like people always talk about how talented the Falcons are. And I'm like, yeah, they're talented. They're certainly more talented than the average NFL team, but it's not like they have this, like, they're just oozing this ridiculous amount of talent that is like, makes them unstoppable, you know, especially in comparison to a team like the Rams who have Donald and have Sue and have Peters and Tlaib and, and have Joyner and, and all these sort of other guys that I think are just as talented, if not more talented than any players in the Falcons. So I feel like, you know, they have most of it, but they just sort of need that piece of the puzzle. I, I agree with you. Uh, you know, Khalil Max don't grow on trees. So it's one of those things where it's like, how do they get that? I don't know. But uh, certainly, you know, the next time sort of a Khalil Mack type of player becomes available, you, you hope the Falcons will be in the position to, to, to jump on that opportunity. Uh, but, you know, those opportunities are so few and far between. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just, I'm not sure if they're ever going to really get it because we do have so many players that we're going to have to sign, and I, I don't know if the cap is going to allow us to get someone like a Khalil Mack level because I think that's why they probably didn't go after him this time when the opportunity came. I don't know if it's going to be something where we're going to have to do like a Julio Jones trade because anytime you have a team with a good quarterback, you're usually not going to be picking early unless you're like the Giants with Eli Manning. Yeah. Or, they they uh, don't have a good quarterback. So, uh... <laughs> they don't really have a good quarterback. So, you know, like maybe you're going to have to like package all your, your, your picks and try to go up and get a Nick Bosa or try to go up to get an Ed Oliver or, you know, but I just feel like, you know, this whole notion like the defense is coming along. Well, they've been coming along for like three, four years now. And, and I feel like they just need that one person where, you know, if, if it's the last drive of the game, they could get us a sack and we don't have to worry about, Brooks Reed with a spin move against the Bears <laughs> coming up with a big like like you know like I just feel like it's just that one person that we could say you know okay like I can trust that more than likely uh, this person could probably you know get that sack at the end and and this this defense just doesn't have that the Eagles had it last year against you know Tom Brady on that last drive mm-hmm. we won't want I don't want to bring up our Super Bowl but. but Remember Dan Quinn saying this defense is gas. If we had somebody like that, I'm pretty sure we could rely on this person to probably make a play for us. So, you know, that, like we're just missing that one person, and it's so frustrating to me sometimes because it's just like this defense could be so good if we had that. But, I, I, you know, like, you know, if everybody, if we didn't have all these injuries, of course. I'm talking about, you know, Keanu, Dion, uh, Grady, Tack plus that one extra piece. And even if we have, you know, like I said, you have a big coming in on passing downs, I could just only imagine how good this defense has been actually be, you know? So. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. looking at this defense, I'm looking at it, and I'm like, I don't know if we're going to, you know, as I said, I don't know if, you know, we can really realistically expect a, a sort of a Khalil Mack to walk through that door. But, you know, I, I think the one thing that they can wind up doing that is realistic, that is feasible, is sort of taking some of these players that are sort of just role players, the Terrell McClains, the Jack Crawfords, you know, the Brooks Reeds of the world, arguably the Vic Beasley's of the world as well, and sort of upgrade those guys, not only in the draft, but also in free agency and, and 
really take, you know, whatever money that they need to do in order to spend um, and, and find guys that are more on that sort of, you know, just at, at a higher level, you know, you know, like where you can obviously, you know, cause the Eagles just won a Super Bowl and everybody wants to have that sort of deep rotation and, and it's a copycat league and whatnot, but you want to find, you know, a Timmy Jernigan, you want to find a Haloti Nada, you want to find a Brandon Graham, you know, finding that Fletcher Cox is going to be really hard to do without a top 10, without a top 15 pick, but you can get some of those other guys, um, you know, a little bit later in the draft or, or, you know, in free agency that can sort of where you, you're not necessarily looking at a guy like a Terrell McLean, you know, thus far it's just sort of been meh to me um, when he's played on the field. And like, you know, going into the season, I wasn't necessarily expecting him to be this huge difference maker because he's, he's basically a rotational defensive tackle and that's what he's been his entire career. But it's like, you know, instead of relying on a guy like Terrell McClain to be one of your four or five best D linemen, that guy should be like the eighth or ninth guy in your rotation. And and so, like, that's the hope, I think, and that's a little bit more realistic. And we'll sort of have to see if the Falcons can do a better job of uh, attacking that. I think so much of this offseason, and I've gotten into several conversations with people about it uh, over the last, like, six-plus months, was like, you know, I think a lot of it was they were – hoping that Vic would, you know, sort of rebound, Jarrett would make that leap, Tack would make that leap, you know, they, they got Sanat and whatnot, um, and, you know, still a lot of football left to be played, and we'll, we'll see what those guys do, I think, you know, Jarrett's killing it, uh, has been killing it both of these games, I think Tack is a little underwhelming at times, um, but he's a second-year player, so I'm not necessarily going to hold that against him, I, I never really had expectations, you know, Vic is a, another topic for another day that requires a 40 minute podcast all on its own. But um, we'll have to sort of see how the rest of the season plays out. And, and I think the Falcons just got to keep building and building and building. And, and I think they can get there. It's just, you know, I think we want that shortcut, that Khalil Mack, that sort of just completely changes the culture and, and, you know, we'll have to see what happens. Yeah. You can only hope, man. you can only hope, you know, when, when, when they come up, come out with the lineup with uh, Brooks Reed, Grady Jarrett, McLean, and Derek Shelby, oh, I just I just get a headache because it's like you just instantly know no pass rush is coming from this. It's just uh, like Brooks Reed looks like Brooks Reed again. Derek Shelby, I mean, ever since he tore his Achilles, that is, uh, I, you know, he, that's a very hard injury to come back from. And, yeah. oh, man, I can't say nothing else, man. <laughs> just that lineup just kills me. I don't – I. Oh my God. <laughs> I, I, I can't blame you, man. Well, Tyrone, I appreciate you joining me on today's episode and, and talking with me. And, um, you know, is is there any way out there for any locals in, in South Florida or people all across the world to maybe get in contact with you and, and talk some Falcons football with you on social media? Uh, well, um, I only have an Instagram and uh, and a Facebook, so mostly, most likely, Facebook is just um, Tyrone James. I'm not on the Twitter, so uh, probably gonna have to get on that soon. So okay. yeah, man, just basically on Facebook, Tyrone James. That's well, it. just go ahead, join Twitter and, and give a follow. To Locked on Falcons on Twitter, you know. Follow Fal fans on Twitter, you know. If that's all you do on Twitter, that's worth it to me. You know, <laughs> maybe not to other people. <laughs> 
yeah, yeah. I don't know about those other guys, huh? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, well, Tyrone, I appreciate it. And uh, certainly we'll be in touch with you throughout the season. Um, you know, send in those questions on uh, future Q&As and whatnot so that people know what you do think about the Falcons. That'll sort of be a little glimpse into sort of what your weekly thoughts are going on with the Falcons um, if you're not necessarily out there uh, prominently on social media and whatnot. So uh, I appreciate you coming on and talking with me, you know, giving the listeners some thoughts about last week, this upcoming week, as well as the potential long-term future of the Falcons defense. And uh, you uh, have a good night, my friend. All right, man. Thanks uh, for having me. Hopefully we could do this again. And remember, I was the first to call you the Atlanta Falcons podcast legend. Okay. Well, it, you, <laughs> since you said it, it sticks now. So it's official. Um, sticks. Thank you, my friend. <laughs> All right, man. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.